Hey guys, it's James Robert. On today's episode, we are going to go inside digital growth, but in a little bit of a different way, as I'd like to share a conversation I recently had with Jim Maroos during a fireside chat that was hosted by the financial brand. And this is a really important conversation because as we look ahead to 2021, I know that many marketing budgets are getting cut at financial brands around the world. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Inside Digital Growth series, where James Robert shares answers to some of the biggest digital marketing and sales questions he gets from the digital growth community. Have a question you want to get answers to on a future episode? Episode, visit www.goaskjr.com to submit your question today. Now, let's go inside digital growth. Greetings and hello. Thank you for tuning into the 49th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast, where I, James Robert Lay, your digital anthropologist, commit to coach and guide you along your digital growth journey to empower you to generate 10 times more loans and deposits by guiding people in the communities that you serve beyond their financial stress towards a bigger, better, and brighter future. Today's episode is part of the Inside Digital Growth series, and I look forward to peeling back the curtain and sharing a conversation that I recently had with Jim Maroos during a fireside chat hosted by the financial brand. Because so many marketing budgets are getting cut as we look ahead into 2021, now more than ever, banks and credit unions must make every marketing dollar count, must make every marketing dollar work over time. In fact, I actually am predicting that marketing budget cuts could end up being a very good thing in the long term because expensive media that so many financial brands are used to buying, expensive media does not always mean better media. And that could be media in the traditional sense of TV and radio, or it could be expensive media and doing very expensive digital ad buys. But what's the solution? What can you do if you find your marketing dollars are getting cut, if you find your marketing dollars are dwindling, How can you continue to get your financial brand's message out into an even more crowded and even more commoditized marketplace in this post-COVID digital world? Well, these are just a few questions that Jim and I are going to answer for you in today's conversation, as there are, in fact, many different growth opportunities available for you to create or capture thanks to the power of both digital and even really more so content marketing. So let's get into it. Jim, looking forward to the conversation on uh, a big topic right now, considering that a lot of marketing budgets I hear are getting cut for financial brands, for banks, for credit unions, as we look ahead into to a whole new year. You know, you're right, James Robert. You know, it's interesting. We're in the strategic planning process, and there are so many unknowns right now. And I think the, the biggest challenge is most of us are going to be working with uh, slimmer budgets. 
Many of us really don't know exactly how they're going to be deployed yet. And, and going back and, and actually building off of last year's strategic plan is not a recipe for success going forward. You know, we really are going to have to reset the, the benchmark for where we want to go and what we want to do. You know, overall, most credit unions and banks more than ever have to make every marketing dollar work. Yes, digital marketing and content marketing all help, but you, you have a limited budget. In, in your new book, Banking on Digital Growth, you really explain that expensive media doesn't necessarily mean better media, and the media you should use isn't always expensive, both sides of the same coin, and how a limited budget strategy can beat the biggest players. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking to every institution. We're not just talking about the small institution. We're going to talk about every size organization on what are some of the strategies that can, can make marketing work when budgets are limited. And, and you know, really, uh, your book does so much in talking about this, the bank, banking on digital growth. It's, it's why it's a bestseller. And, and you know, we, as you know, we've been doing a lot of research to the digital banking port lately. And we've seen a lot of trends, major trends, especially as it relates to marketing. For instance, we realize that consumers right now, probably because of COVID as much as anything else, really not only understand the potential of personalized digital communication and solutions, but even more importantly, they're expecting it now. So while maybe before COVID, you, you didn't have people understanding the, the predictability power of Netflix or Amazon or didn't understand the digital integration of Instacart or, or even you know, some of the financial apps, the reality is the consumer now understands what is possible. And what's exciting is they're willing to share data but only if they get value back. You know, another major finding we found with the Digital Banking Report was that organizations understand the importance of data analytics and personalization. However, more than 75% said they feel they're inept, inept at applying data and AI towards a better customer experience, towards personalization. You know, Robert, James Robert, it's, it's really interesting when you look at those elements and when you look at the fact that that organizations aren't using all the tools available to them that really when you look at what's possible there's really a, a, a gamut of things that that most institutions sometimes even have rules in their organization i mean i know i've worked with a lot of financial institutions some of them say you know we have a rule that only one email can go to a customer in a month well, that's not a real good strategy if you're trying to onboard a brand new customer that's expecting a lot of communication. In addition, most organizations don't even have a dynamic as to how much content marketing would they allow or, or even have the people to deploy what we'll call content marketing or texts for everything. And so really, overall, what is really key here is it, it gets down to Deploying the resources that are available that consumers want you to use in the best possible way. You know, you know, you 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 have written a book on this, and uh, uh, Lee mentioned at the beginning that you know you you've written a book. You've worked with a number of financial brands on the mission to simplify their digital marketing and sales strategies. You've been named top global financial services influencer to follow by the financial brand. But when we're looking at the components. What do you see, James Robert, as as the major components that financial institutions 
should be looking at right now? What, in a broad sense, what are what right now should most financial, all financial institutions be looking at? You know, it it all comes down to what you're 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 touching around right here, and this is commu- It's all about communication. It's about using digital technologies, digital tools, to bring people together to create value, and all of that value creation begins just as it would have in the past. It all starts with communication. It's just the ways and the mediums in which we communicate. That is what is vastly different. And 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 no longer are the old world rules of, to your point about email, one message to many people relevant anymore. It's about getting the right communication or the right context within the context of the consumer's buying journey. So when you look at that, James Robert, what do you, you know, we talk content marketing and, and we talk about it real freely. What exactly is content marketing? There's a lot of confusion in this area. Uh, and content is, is just one element of an entire larger digital growth strategy. But I think it's important that we clear up some of this confusion early and often. And academically here at the Digital Growth Institute, we define content marketing as well-defined systems and processes to really position the financial brand as a subject matter experts within the communities that they serve with really three specific goals, to attract the right people, to capture and nurture those relationships, and then ultimately to create value for the financial brand by converting those leads into loans and deposits, but by doing so not by promoting the same commoditized great rates and amazing services and look alike a laundry list of product features. We got to help first, sell second. Well, it's interesting because especially as we got into the COVID stage, you know, it, it's not just financial institutions. You know, every brand is using content pretty effectively. You know, without Salesforce on the street, without events going on, without the ability to meet a consumer face to face in a branch in many cases. Organizations have to had to really pivot that uh, word that has become very popular during COVID. But when you look at content in its general sense and in a specific sense, are we talking about just educational content? Are we talking about the ability for a financial institution to use content marketing to, for instance, teach a person how to do remote deposit capture? Or are we talking about content in the really in- well, say the really intense phase of looking at financial planning and things like that, or is it a mixture of both? The way that we frame this up, and that's a great question, is there's really four types of content that we can think about as a financial brand. There's the empathetic content. And this is something that we would look at higher up in the buying journey when you're just trying to get consumers to know you, to like you in the first place, because there's there's different psychological levels that this type of content guides people through. People, people need to trust you at an emotional level. And when we, when we look at empathetic content, it's about leaning in to some of their pain points, but also offering a solution. Then to your point, we have the educational content. And this is where we're looking at a a tremendous opportunity in the consideration stage of the buying journey to where we're nurturing people, we're reinforcing our expertise. And the way that we can look at this is a wide variety of content 
things like, for example, webinars. I, I know, for example, PNC Bank uh, has been doing a lot of webinars. We've seen uh, American Express do webinars on the small business side. But then also we've got podcasts, we've got video, we can turn all of that into articles. Then we have empowering content. And this to me is one of the most effective ways here because now we're really empowering people to begin to make confident decisions when it comes to selecting a financial brand that they're wanting to work with. And so things like eBooks, buying guides, checklists, quizzes, assessments. But I think the secret to all of this is to use the elevating content, the last one when we look at these four content archetypes. And this is right at the moment of truth, right when someone is ready to commit to you to click the apply button, but they just need a little bit more inspiration to push them over the edge. And that's where we can use the stories of people that we have helped before that look just like them, that have gone through the journey that they've they've been on. But it says, we've done this before, we can do it again, and we can help you get beyond whatever's holding you back and get you to a bigger, better, brighter future. So what are some of the biggest challenges you've seen when it comes to content marketing, especially when you're looking at, let's look at the small organizations, but also the big organizations. What, what is the biggest barrier to success when you're really looking at content marketing? You know, I think the biggest barrier, besides the fact that that a lot of financial brands that we work with don't have a really well-defined content marketing strategy as part of a larger digital growth strategy, it's the fact that most financial brands are telling the exact same story with their content. Coming back to that idea of we have these great rates, we have these amazing services, these look-alike laundry lists of, of product features, and now post-COVID, it's the uh, we're here for you. And I know that you've experienced that as well with some of the communication that that you receive. The, but but what the problem is with this, and, and even financial brands who are dabbling with content, they might be purchasing content from a service. But the problem is, is that's the same exact content that another financial brand has. And so all of this is rooted in what I call narcissistic marketing. Think broadcast marketing. And, and when we think about narcissistic marketing, it really positions the financial brand as the hero in the stories that they tell. But if we go back and we study literature going all the way back to the, the, the cave paintings um, in the early days of man, there can only be one hero in a story. And, and for a consumer, that hero is themselves. That hero is the consumer. And when we position ourselves in our our communication as a financial brand, as the hero, what we're doing is we're actually positioning ourselves as the anti-hero. So really what you're talking about there is we, we always talk about this customer centric marketing and how important that is. But really what you're saying is we don't want to anymore look and say, Oh, we're going to use this to sell something. What we really want is the ability to talk to the consumer in their language and what they need. I mean, especially now with COVID, there's a lot of challenges going on. You know, consumers really have no idea. Okay, so I stopped my mortgage payment for a number of months. Okay, and I realized maybe I didn't need to. What do I do now? Do I catch up? Do I keep on, you know, putting money in savings? So really what you're talking about here, you're really looking at saying, you know, you got to flip the coin. You got to look at what is in for the consumer and really put them in the center on the real sense as opposed to just saying it. Is that true? Absolutely. And and I love what you said. We need to talk to them 
in their language. You know, a, a, a lot of times we have the curse of knowledge as financial brands, whether you're on the marketing team or the sales team or the leadership team. So we know banker knees. We know what LTV and DTI means, but but when you're talking and you're using all of this banker knees, it, it increases the confusion and the complexity, which is inherent in financial services. And so the best way to put people at the center of all of your thinking, all of your doing, all of your communication is to really begin to think about them as the heroes in this archetype journey. And we position our financial brand as the helpful guide, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Mr. Miyagi, the Yoda. And, and we're guiding these people on this journey but just like if you think back to any major narrative, it took some time for the hero to begin to trust the guide. Luke didn't come out of the gate trusting Obi-Wan in Star Wars. Obi-Wan had to prove himself. And in this digital world, we prove ourselves through content. Content is built, content builds trust. Content is like placing micro deposits in the, 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 the trust bank for a consumer, which the trust bank is, is what's the trust fund is what sits between their ears. It's their brains. And it can take weeks, months, even years to make enough deposits to increase that consumer's courage to make the commitment to apply with your financial brand. It can take seconds to deplete all of that by getting the wrong message to that consumer at the wrong time. And it it totally makes the whole experience fall apart. Okay, so James Albert, let's dig a little bit deeper in that hero's journey. You know, you you talk about it, and 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 we talk about data and analytics, and and trying to make it on a personalized basis and understand the consumer. You know, when you look at this, when you look at journey maps, when you look at customer journeys and the hero's journey and everything else, you, you really are having to personalize it. How does an organization look at content? as opposed to being a real broad brush, hmm. how do they make it a little bit narrower brush so that I feel like the consumer is talking to me or so the bank financial institution is talking to me, or do we simply create more content so the consumer can select what's important to them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think first and foremost, we need to just address the fact that there's such a tremendous gap in the ideas uh, and the methodologies for for mapping and defining digital journeys. Um, from our studies, we found that uh, around 85% of financial brands have not mapped these journeys out. And, and that, that creates a gap. And I think a lot of it is rooted in the fact that we have this legacy thinking from the old world of we got broadcast marketing, driving traffic into a branch. But when we look at to back to your question of, do we need more content or do we need the right content? Well, it's I would say it's a mix of both. And when we look at the idea of digital consumer journeys and content, we can go and pick off our big product lines that we need to focus our, our content production around first and foremost. And the way that I would prioritize this is through those different stages of the buying journey. We need specific content for the awareness stage. We need content for the consideration stage. We need content for the purchase stage. And then that's just part half of the story because we also need content for the onboarding stage. But then, then another opportunity is content for the advocacy stage. And so then it's not just those different stages. It's those different stages within the top three to five 
business lines of a financial brand. And that can feel like a very daunting and overwhelming task. And so the best way to approach this is to break things up and to prioritize not only the content production, but, but also just as important, the content promotion. Because a financial brand can produce content and produce more content, but if they don't have the systems and processes to connect that content with the, the, the people, then it's not going to create any value whatsoever. Do you see a problem with organizations trying to be too perfect in doing this? I mean, one thing we've seen from fintech companies is there's a lot of content, a lot of blogs, a lot of podcasts, all kinds of different types of media, and even video. But I think what the key is here, and you and I do this for a living, um, a lot of this content stuff is if you look for perfection, and if you're if you're doing something that has to go through compliance and through legal and everything like that, you're not going to get content out. And sometimes the consumer doesn't want perfection. They want somebody to talk to them and they're not perfect either. And I think you find that to be a challenge because, you know, I know if, if, if somebody's trying to write an article or a blog, they get into it and into it and into it and you never get completed and you, you just have to create more good content. And I'm wondering, number one, is perfection in the way of, of getting content out there? And secondly, does your call center provide kind of the beginning of that funnel as to what a consumer's asking about? Because it changes almost daily. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. My gosh, there's so many ways that we could take this conversation because uh, you're to your point of perfectionism. Absolutely. This is, I find what holds a lot of financial brand marketing sales and leadership teams back because I think for too long, we've tried to present this perfect picture. It's almost like the, it's the Instagram of the world to where it just needs to be good enough. And it's okay if it's a little bit raw. Take, for example, a podcast or even a video. I, I was doing a lot of coaching post-COVID to help people get comfortable talking to the one-eyed Cyclops camera because it can feel a little uh, intimidating. It can feel a little uncomfortable, particularly if you've never had that experience before. But what this boils down to, don't focus on yourself when you're thinking about these fears that get in your way of producing the perfect piece of content. Transform that mindset to think about the people that you're going to be helping with this content and what happens if you don't even get this out into the world? And so one of the ways I think about this is just to go all in. People will tell you what they have questions about, what their concerns are. So you just need to go all in. You need to ask people what's bothering them. You need to listen 
to what those problems are. And then you can learn and, and they will guide you on those content production efforts. So this is hard stuff. I mean, we, we talk about it as if it's simple and, you know, hey, you just have to do this and this and this. And, you know, most marketing departments, as you well know, it doesn't matter what size organization, are up to their eyeballs in initiatives right now. How can content marketing empower both a community financial brand as well as a mid-sized regional to compete with the big banks? Where do they go to be able to get into it to the degree they really have to? You, you, you know, the whole content idea is not something you go in halfway, but Mm-mm. how can content marketing empower both a community financial brand as well as a regional bank to compete with the big boys? Yeah, it, it it takes it takes some courage. It takes commitment. This is not something that you just dip your toe in the water. This is a long-term game. It also takes focus. And what I mean by that, it's about niching down and saying we're going to focus our content marketing efforts around a particular niche market. And we are going to be known as the best in X, Y, or Z. You know, I think of a couple of examples about this. For example, American Express. American Express had their open form. Now it's Amex Business Class. But they knew that content was going to be the next step in their growth journey. The same could happen for a community institution or a regional who basically picks up and says, you know what, we're going to focus our efforts around empowering these small business owners, or we're going to focus our efforts on empowering this subset of consumers. Maybe it's maybe it's the moms, because uh, we got a lot of mommy bloggers, and that creates a whole unique uh, community in and of itself. So focus and commitment are key in ensuring a content effort moves forward. But I think another one too is pilot programs, proving the value. And a great example of that is, is what um, SunTrust, now Truist, has done with their on-up program. This has been a case study that we've been following now for the last three or four years. And it's one that has been driven from the top down. So when we're looking at this, as a starting point, would you say to try to figure out, okay, let's try to solve for a problem and let's do it really well with enough content as opposed to just maybe one or two pieces. And, you know, you mentioned Truist, you mentioned American Express, American Express made it very clear what they wanted their destination to be. And it was a, it's a fairly, you know, narrow market, but a broad piece of their business. Mm-hmm. Truist, you know, again, it was going toward a solution. So, if a financial institution is saying, I got to get my dip my toe in the water, I got to get a victory here, would you say, you know, try to address a major needs? For instance, let's say it's a community or financial institution, or even regional. Would you try to look at, you know, for instance, community investment right now after in a post-COVID world, or, you know, maybe even as simple or, or as broad as, you know, how to deal with post-COVID finances? You know, mm-hmm. how much savings do you have? Things like that. Do you see looking at maybe a narrower scope? Because you could, I mean, financial business is huge. I mean, there's all kinds of different paths you go to go down. Do you, do you getting back to that strategic planning process and figuring out what you want to do next? Would you say keep your range narrow to begin with and, and do it well in yes. that sense? 
Yes, narrow the niche. The the riches are in the niches, and whenever you go too broad, you lose that that sense of focus, and then you begin to stumble and fall. When you when you rein in and and become very tight around a specific subset of the market, focusing on their questions, their their needs, their concerns, it's much easier to get some momentum behind you taking this to a, a smaller community level. You know, we, we talked Amex, right? Big, big, big brand. Louisiana Federal Credit Union, they produce something called the Complete Guide to Exponential Business Growth. And that has generated tens of millions of dollars worth of leads and prospects that their business team is able to pick up. They can run ads against this content. They can get very targeted with their ads to generate those leads and then to nurture those leads through a marketing automation follow-up. So focus on the niche. And I think the other thing too, is to think about the production process that goes into this. That's where I see a lot of financial brands begin to stumble and fall because they're thinking, well, how are we going to produce content at scale to create value? They start with the end product, if you will, of an article or a social media post, but there's a better way that I think you and I can talk through to, to, to simplify those, those production efforts. So a lot of times you, you talk about content marketing, people immediately think blog posts, something that's written, or, or maybe social media. But there's a lot of different channels. And, and to your point that you just made, I'm going to double up this question a little bit. It's not just the different channels you can use, but don't just put it out there and hope people find it. You know, the reality is it, it's not field of dreams. It's not if you build it, they will come. You know, the real leverage here, and again, I get back to what you and I do for, somewhat for a living, is – how many different ways can you promote this out to the marketplace to make this content really become a multiplier effect? So, you know, what different um, kinds of content can be developed? And then what are some of the great ways to promote what you've done? Absolutely. Well, there's, there's two sides to, to, the, to the coin. There's a production side. There's the, the, the promotion side. Let's talk on the production side first. I really encourage financial brands to start thinking evergreen content. And that's a vast departure what from is, What is that? What does that mean? That's a great question. James it's Robert. a vast Yeah, it's a great it's a great departure from the traditional marketing campaign. Traditional marketing campaigns typically have a short shelf life, but when we think about evergreen content, we're thinking about creating content assets that create exponential value for the future. So the longer that they're in the marketplace, the more value they will create. And typically these are aligned around a specific buying journey or coming back to your point, a specific niche need within the marketplace. A great example of a financial brand who focused on these efforts, they actually grew their organic blog traffic 4,000% since 2018. And just in 2020, they're going to generate over 30,000 visits of organic search traffic, which is generating because the way that their blog articles are optimized, they're generating leads through that blog for their team to pick up. But it doesn't start with just the blog. It starts with creating what I would call a pillar piece of content. And what we're looking at there is some type of video content or podcast content. And that podcast can then be atomized and broken up into smaller pieces of content. For example, you can pull the audio out of the podcast and you give that to a writing team. They can create a couple of articles around that podcast. You can take the podcast and turn it into audiograms for social media with key quotes or insights. The same thing with images with, with, with quotes for social media. 
we can take that podcast or that webinar and then turn that into an ebook. The ebook becomes a lead generation piece. So there's a lot of ways. This, coming back to the, the the original part of this conversation, content marketing is about systems and processes, both on the production as well as on the promotion side. And I want to speak to that point for just a minute. If we create a piece of content and we fail to promote it, it will not create any value whatsoever. So the way that I liken this is you have the organic promotion, you have paid promotion, but one of the most untapped opportunities from a promotion standpoint is to create content and then work with internal teams. I call them SMAGs or social media advocacy groups. And that could be people in the call center, that could be people on your sales team. They have their own personal social networks, empower them with content and let them become content promoters to create value for their own social networks. And we'll get a lot more value over the long term with those pieces of content. So James Robert, when you when you you know you've done a lot of research into this and with your digital growth program, you know if organizations wanted to figure out you know how are other organizations doing this to give them to spur their generation their creativity, you know you've mentioned a couple of examples with Amex and you mentioned uh, the uh, I think it was Louisiana Federal Credit Union and also what what is done by Truist. I'm wondering what are some other organizations that are doing something really well, but but where somebody can go right to a site and say, oh my gosh, look at all the content they've created. And I'm sure I can get something here I can play off of. You know, again, copying is not illegal on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't take it word for word, but certainly the topics these con- they consider. You know, when you want to show somebody how is an organization doing it well, where would you point them? Well, we've got, for example, uh, Grow in Wisconsin, Fortify Bank, little community bank uh, out of Wisconsin, transformed their entire thinking. They built a almost a, a standalone content platform that's framed around their purpose to grow the businesses and the families within Wisconsin. And so they launched this initiative called Grow in Wisconsin to where they're utilizing video and video stories deploying the story selling methodology that we had talked about before that puts people as the hero, the small business as the heroes in the stories that they're telling. And their business services team is able to utilize that on the commercial side. Their consumer side is able to use this whenever they're they're talking about the retail side, they're able to repurpose this content and share it throughout the organization. Another one that that comes to the top of my mind. Just for a second on that one, I grow in Wisconsin, what's interesting about that is by using clients as your spokespeople, mm-hmm. by doing man on the street type videos, to know that it's not always going to be perfect. What's interesting there, and you've done this before, by highlighting somebody you worked with before, they end up being your salesperson. Yes. They end up, and you end up with, you know, you you don't think you're going to have ideas for content? All of a sudden, I'm sure, you know, Fortify Bank has got people calling them all the time going, hey, can you do a story on me? Can you do it on me? In some cases, they may not even be customers. And they're saying, yeah, we'll do it on you. And what's great is content starts to come to you. You know, you've done it before with your book. I've done it with my podcast. It's amazing when you start to do something and people get into a rhythm as to what you're trying to do, you're going to find that content comes to you. Ideas come to you. Somebody's going to say, you know, why haven't you done anything on financial planning? Why haven't you done anything on financing my business or whatever it may be? Give me give me some more examples. I just, it was interesting when you brought that up because I realized you're leveraging the people you're engaging with as one of your selling tools. 
I, I, I want to add to that thought. You mentioned something when you start down this path and you stick to that, to the, to the commitment and you create the habit to continue forward, content will find you. And I think a lot of times financial brands get hung up because they think about themselves as the content kind of producer or who has to tell the story. But to your point, we can go into our communities and highlight and tell the stories of other people and also use them as the experts in whatever it might be. For example, uh, on the home buying side, we might want to go with to a couple of realtors and ask them if they want to collaborate on a content piece. Maybe if it's on the auto loan side, we can go to a couple uh, mechanics and say, how can we ensure that you know this investment in, in this automobile continues running forward? We, we, we see a, such a strong correlation between financial well-being and physical well-being. So why can't we go and talk to a couple of, of gyms who their whole business model has been transformed and do some content collaborations about financial and, 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 and physical health. So you're right. The more that we do this, the content will find you. It's just about looking outwards outside of ourselves. I think another great example of this is tropical financial in the South Florida market, developing not, not just um, a, a, a content piece, but really a program around what we call get beyond money. Uh, and it's really getting people beyond the financial stress and, and who's not stressed about money post COVID, but this has become a lead generation and a lead nurturing engine. One of the key elements that they have in this program is what's called a quick savings quiz that someone can calculate how much money they might be losing. And then based upon those that data, the credit union can then serve up specific pieces of content to help people get beyond that stress, get, get beyond money and live and live that purpose. You know, one thing you brought up, and, and I know you're going to be sharing with our audience a lot of these examples, a lot of these organizations they can dig into and and find out, you know, more about what content is. You mentioned about consistency and reliability. Um, you can't do this halfway, and both of us have found that the best way to get people to buy into your content is for them to know what days to find it, what time to find it. You know, I do my podcast every Tuesday. It goes live every Tuesday at 6 a.m., and people know on Tuesday they can find it. They know on Financial Brand I'm always going to write an article on Monday morning. You've had the same experience, but this goes with financial institutions as well. If people start to buy into your content, don't leave them hanging. And just because you may have three pieces of content on, that you have available immediately you could present, think about whether or not if you should space those out and keep it on your sequence. You know, what people look for is a cadence and a reliability of what that sequence is going to be. So let's say you do, it's going to be Monday and Wednesday, or it's going to be Monday every other Monday of the month, or whatever it's going to be. Build a cadence because people get used to it. You know, I, I was talking to Ron Shevlin, gosh, just two years ago now when he started writing for Forbes. And he says, you know, I, I don't, you know, maybe I'm going to take next Monday off. And I said, you can't do that. You don't understand. People come to rely on being able to see what you've written on each Monday. So what you got to do is you got to build for that. It's amazing how people look forward to seeing the next thing you come out with. And a lot of the fintechs have really done a really good job of this. But, but overall, when you're looking at building content, what you really have to do, and we talked about this at the very beginning, you really need top-level commitment around a content strategy. And this, this goes for everything in the strategic plan. The biggest gap we've seen in the digital banking report is that organizations that aren't successfully traveling down the digital transformation journey are usually because the top level commitment isn't there. It's yes. more talk than action. Do you see this as well? 
Absolutely. People fear what they don't know. People fear what they don't understand. That's human nature. I get it. And this is why, for me, transformation of any type, whether that be the, the individual, and, and there's four levels of transformation that have to happen here. You have to transform the, the, the self, transform the team, transform the organization, and then and only then can you transform the community. And so transformation must begin with training to help the unaware become aware of what the opportunities for digital growth are, for what content are for, for, for the matter of this conversation. Because when you provide them clarity, you help them to overcome the fears of the unknown that keep them stuck in the cave of complacency. As we wrap up today's conversation and as you look ahead to 2021, I want you to take a few minutes to think about where you are right now on your own digital growth journey. And to do that, you can start by reflecting on the biggest lessons that you've learned during this very dynamic year of 2020 as a marketing or sales leader at a bank or credit union or even a FinTech. Then I want you to think about the transformations that must happen first and foremost for you, then for your team, and third for your organization so that you may continue to transform the lives of the people and the communities that you serve by guiding them beyond their financial stress and leading them towards an even bigger, better, and brighter future. And as you think about these three transformations of yourself, your team, your organization, lastly, I want you to consider what's holding you back? What's holding your team back? What's holding your organization back? What is keeping you stuck in the cave of complacency and preventing you from moving forward and making progress to maximize your future digital growth potential? Now, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what's on your mind because I want to help guide you forward along your digital growth journey. Now's the time to get out your phone and text me a quick question that you'd like to get answers to on a future podcast episode. You can text me at 415-579-3004. Once again, text me your question that you'd like to get answers to on a future podcast episode to 415 415- Five seven nine three zero zero four. This is my personal number, and I do read and reply to every text message, and I look forward to answering your question on an upcoming podcast. Remember, the only bad question is the question that goes unasked. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.